The Stick to Hockey podcast is brought to you by Mac Weldon. Well, you got to go to this website because it is great. Great clothes, quality. I just went on and got great socks, sweatpants, sweatshirts, great clothing, comfortable stuff. You got to go and check it out. Please go to MacWeldon.com. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com and check out all the great clothes they have there and have it shipped right to your front door. And for 20% off your first order at MacWeldon.com, you can enter promo code hockey at checkout. You get 20% off your order. So get there, check out all their great clothing, like the socks that I just got. What's better than new socks? Nothing. That's why I got mine at MacWeldon.com. You should, too. Also, sweatpants, sweatshirts, whatever you need. Some uh, great underwear there as well. Great materials and great products all available at MacWeldon.com. Again, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. And you got to check it out because it's a great place. Use that promo code HOCKEY at checkout for 20% off. And you'll see what a great site it is to browse, check out your stuff, have it shipped right to your front door. And it's a really great website. And get the stuff that you need. And the materials are great as well. So check it out. MacWeldon.com. M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Welcome to episode number 40, holy 40 episodes of the Stick to Hockey podcast. It is the uh, Henrik Zetterberg episode, Russ. Yes. Does that work? It does, except poor Henrik has, you know, injury problems. Well, the back's been an issue. Yeah. Uh, like your back hurts from carrying me in the Stick to Hockey podcast. <laughs> up and down the ice, or Yuri Laterra's back hurts from carrying that piano up and down the ice, seemingly. Uh, but nonetheless, it is the Stick to Hockey podcast. I uh, hope everybody's having... An enjoyable uh, last week or so of the hockey season. And uh, you can follow Russ on Twitter at Sportsology. You can follow me at Jason Mert uh, or the Stick to Hockey Pod at Stick to Hockey Pod on Twitter. And uh, we got a lot to discuss today. It's all star break time. Russ, you a big all star uh, game guy? I, I like it. I've attended quite a few. I didn't go this year, obviously, but I like it because it's just, I don't know, it goes back to my childhood. I know it's changed. And I know, like recently, Steve Stamkos said he'd like to see East versus West again, and I'm kind of with him on that. Three on three is okay, but I like seeing the stars. I like the fact that they're looser there when you interview them. You can talk to them about anything. I like the fact that they sort of act goofy there at times because they do enjoy it when they're there. I know the thought of going to the All-Star game, they're like, oh, I want to just go home and rest, and I get it. A lot of them do, but the ones that go really do have a good time, and fans, again, the biggest thing that they forget is in that area, like in San Jose, they have a great time. I mean, these guys light it up. They're, they're fun. It's a show. Yes, it is a show. And people also forget there's a lot of business that takes place there. All the agents uh-huh. go. All the corporations go. And a lot of times agents are, you know, whispering about what their guys might do the next year there. And, you know. And leading up to a trade deadline. Yeah. yeah those kind of Stuff things. Stuff happens so, there. Yeah. We're getting closer and closer, about four weeks away from the uh, NHL trade deadline, which happens February 25th. And a lot to get into in that regard. What we're going to do is we're going to take some uh, uh, some Twitter questions. Um, also, we're going to talk about uh, some midseason awards in just a moment. We're also going to talk with Alan Mitchell, low tide uh, from TSN and The Athletic, who covers the Edmonton Oilers and what has been a mess out there in Edmonton. 
They signed uh, Koskinen to the extension, and uh, uh, pretty much moments thereafter, bye-bye Peter Chiarelli. He's gone. Yeah, <laughs> what a mess that is, and it's such a shame that Connor McDavid is out there. And like, that's a guy you want to see in the playoffs all the time. Like he, he's of the skill set where he's the kind of player you need to see in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to see him in the World Championships too often. Yeah, and the other you thing, don't. like the one thing, like watching Edmonton play in three on three is phenomenal because of Connor McDavid. Yeah, but the team has just been—it's been an utter disaster out there. And Ken Hitchcock. Even he can't fix them defensively, and when he can't do that, that's an issue. It is an issue, and it is personnel, and it is. There's so many things like he, we couldn't even cover it on this show. It's not long enough. Yeah. Well, we'll get into some housekeeping things as well. Also, uh, got to tell you about this—the uh, the event that we're having coming up on February second. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be at Xfinity Live at Bullies Inside Xfinity Live. Try to get this off the ground last year. Wasn't able to do it, but uh, we got it this year. It's coming up in just over a week. It's the Philadelphia Hockey podcast roundtable. Again, it'll be February 2nd from 4.30 to 6.30. Incidentally, uh, the same day as the Flyers take on the Edmonton Oilers at 1 o'clock, so we'll be (laughs) right over after the game, after watching Connor McDavid. It's live at Bullies Pub at Xfinity Live. Uh, You and I will be there, Russ. We're going to have special guest Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic. I'm going to try and interview Gritty. I have a strategy for this. Oh, you're going to interview... He doesn't talk. No, no, it doesn't matter. It's okay. Might be your best work. Harpo Marx did interviews, just, <laughs> just saying. Uh, Charlie O'Connor will be there from The Athletic and uh, Broad Street Hockey, Anthony Sanfilippo, Bill Meltzer, Anthony Mangione, and uh, members from Broad Street Hockey. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a big party down there. We're hoping Gritty that will show up, that he doesn't uh, big-time us. Well, and, that is possible. And it's looking like we're going to talk with uh, Flyers general manager there as well, Chuck Fletcher. Wow. Yeah. So it'll be quite the affair. So make sure you stop out and join us on that day, whether you're coming to the game or not. Uh, come and hang out, and we're gonna we're gonna have audience questions that are gonna come in at some point as well. It'll be a ninety minute uh, program, so it'll be a lot of fun uh, coming up on February second, and uh, we're looking forward to that for sure. But Russ, let's get right into the uh, the business at hand here. And, yep. You know, we're at the pseudo midseason mark, slightly past it from a games perspective, but uh, the midseason awards, and I know you had to vote, but I want to throw a couple of of them to you and uh, give our thoughts on uh, the trophies that'll be handed out coming up uh, in June at the NHL Awards Show in Vegas. Uh, so let's start with the the Jack Adams Award. To this point in this season, who are your Jack Adams uh, Trophy winner? Okay, now I'm doing all of this from memory. So if people and if, you have a bad memory. <laughs> if people like, if it becomes transparent and people say, "Well, you said this on another show," then revert to the other show. But I I did vote Bill Peters for sure. Ooh, okay. And then uh, I went with Vancouver uh, Travis Green. Mm-hmm. And then I went with. Uh, Did you go Trotz or no, no uh, Claude oh, Julian? Claude Julian, yeah, Thank okay, you. yeah. The t- the two guys that I don't have to vote because I'm not an official member. Yeah, uh, my winner right now will be Barry Trotz. I mean, they have shaved more than a goal per game. Off what they did a year ago. Oh no, the defensive that strategy is unreal. But also, they got a bonus because Leonard turned his life around. But did but is Leonard a product of? Look, he turned his life around and and. Came to some, you know, really publicly acknowledged what his issues were off the ice, and and he's a big part of that, and Grice as well. But when you look at the situation there, to to, to play so, so much more responsibly defensively, it's amazing what Trotz has done there. And it Korn. is, but it's also Mitch Corn and mm-hmm. and Leonard. So that's why I that's the only reason I didn't have Trotz in. So there. they're fracturing their own vote. Yeah, I think. Okay. But but again, I think Travis Green, Vancouver is fakely in this race. And, and I say fakely because, you know, it's it's the NHL, and we know that and sometimes the Western it's Conference. Mis- yes. 
but they are in it. And if you'd have told me they would even be this close, would be crazy. And Claude Julian, I think, is quietly doing amazing work yeah. in Montreal. I do. Well, that team's fun to watch, too. Yeah. They fly they up and fly. down the ice. They work Compared their bags Compared to what they off. were a year ago? Oh, it, it, it is amazing. And it's not like Carey Price is just bailing their butts out. No, no, no. That's not the case. All right, so uh, let's go to the Norris Trophy. Because this is uh, very interesting. By the end of the year, some of the usual suspects will be, yeah. high, you know, guys like Eric Carlson will be in that mix. Yeah. Um, he probably already is. But uh, that being said, who, who's your vote for the Norris at this point? You know, it's fuzzy, but I think I went Giordano first. Yeah, that's where I go. Uh, to do what he's doing at 35 years of age, yeah. blowing his point totals away from his highest ever in his career, and obviously what's going on there uh, with the Flames, he's got to be the guy right now. Yeah. I hope he can sustain it. Yeah, and Burns is in the mix, too. I think Always, I had him yeah. in the mix. But, but yeah, Giordano's really having a great year. And so he's definitely in my list. I just can't remember if he was number one. But, yeah, he – I. Big ups to him. He's going to get like a sympathy type thing, too, because it's a good story. Nobody gets sympathy. No, Come you're, on. You're wrong about that. Uh, <laughs> let's go right to the Vesna trophy because this is where sympathy comes in. <laughs> Who, who's your vote for the for the Vesna? Freddie Anderson, and it's not even close. This guy is under siege every game. The Leafs give up so many shots a game. It's crazy. Well, It's, not it's like shots, your beer though, league it's, team. It's yeah. like your beer league team. <laughs> well, <laughs> the result's not the same, I'll tell you that. Um, but the thing about it is, is... It's not the amount of shots, it's the quality. And I watched the game the other night. In the first period, he had to make like four or five alarm saves right at the beginning. And it doesn't always have to be that sprawling, amazing athletic save, but he had to stop four great scoring chances early. Yeah, and that's against huge. Washington. Yeah. yeah, early in a game against a team that can bury it. Uh, my vote for the Vesna, I got John Gibson right now just because hey, he's well that deserving. team would be in. in in the Jack Hughes sweepstakes if it wasn't for him. That's true. And they give up a lot of shots, but they give also give up a ton of high-quality scoring chances. Uh, do the Ducks. And they do. They're still hanging around there despite the 12-game losing, everything. Um, so I, I got John Gibson there. Um, how about the Calder? This is pretty easy. Yeah, Elias Patterson. Yeah. But the other two, actually, I was very happy that the PHWA thought al- along the same lines as me. It was Patterson and Dahlin and and uh, Haskinen. And I thought that was right, because when you look and break things down, Colin White is certainly worthy, but Haskinen is is just putting up mega minutes. Like, he is, they've relied on him. Jim Montgomery has relied veteran on him. Veteran minutes, yeah. Yeah, veteran minutes. So I, I thought he had to get in there. And and look, Rasmus Dahlin is, you know, second half. <laughs> if, if something happens to Pedersen, like I said before we started, you know, the season— he could still win that award, but it's a long shot. Yeah, and, and if he misses a significant time, that like Connor McDavid, I think he played 48 games in his rookie year. Yes. And he didn't get the Calder because of it, but we'll see if that's an effect uh, with uh, Dolan coming up in the second half with Buffalo. Uh, the Hart Trophy, the MVP, though, who did you have here? Freddie Anderson. You went, you're going, the goalies have their own category. It does, you know what? I, I am tired of hearing it. It's the same thing in Major League Baseball. Once in a while, a reliever deserves the Cy Young, too. It's just the way it is. You watch those Leaf games. You see them with Garrett Sparks or Michael Hutchinson instead of Freddie Anderson, and they can't win a game. Yeah. It's hard for them to win a game. Let's uh, put it that way. Well, I have Kucherov and Goudreau there. Yeah, and that's – I. Goudreau second and Kucherov third. Yeah, and, I did. And it's just it's amazing to see what Goudreau's doing. His game is just so just dialed love it. in. He's so fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, could you have imagined GMs have to be killing themselves. Oh. So many of them passed on him. Well, so the thing is is nobody foresaw the league going this sharply in this direction where that lack of size or weight or whatever you want to call yeah. it 
that is not a factor anymore. Yeah, it's weird. It's why the teams like the Kings are are where they are because they're big, heavy hockey is like going by the wayside. Yeah, if you have heavy feet now, you're in trouble. Mm. Um, we're going to talk about uh, uh, buyers and sellers in just a minute, but I want to ask you about uh, Carter Hart because he's been sent back down uh, to the Phantoms during the All-Star well, break. Well, we figured that would happen. Yeah, and he's going down to get work, so yep. don't press the panic button, everybody. He's not going back down to the AHL for the remainder of the season, and we'll see if Chuck Fletcher does acquire another goalie, maybe a Cam Talbot or something like that, um, to be in tandem with Carter Hart or how they're going to handle this situation. Because you are getting closer to Brian Elliott returning, right? And you're getting closer to Michael Neuvirth returning for six or seven days until he goes back out. <laughs> and they've reactivated Anthony Stolarz, right? So, how do the Flyers navigate this goalie situation coming down the? I think the you do send Carter Hart down. I think if you want to play him a couple more games after the break, let him keep the confidence up. Whatever happens, happens. Then send him down again. I didn't want to see him play 50 games this year. I just, with that defense in front of him, I didn't think that was a good thing for him. With these other goalies coming back, even though you might only get third and fourth round picks, you might as well get them. So you have to play these guys a little bit to get them, but they do need to find out about Anthony Stellaris because right now Alex Lyon doesn't look like he's capable of being an NHL backup right now this moment. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to need another like a third goalie. Based on this organization's history, they need like a third goalie and because I think they will still pick up another goalie. We'll get into that in a minute. So I think Stolarz is that guy. And so I think he needs to play some NHL games and needs to get him in. Not as many as he did in a row. He is still recovering from what happened last year and yeah. then now this year. But get him in some games so he gets his feet wet because even if he's not up with the club right away next year, well, you know the rest. Well, the thing is, too, is it's a message to the fans that were tanking this year if you send him down because he's been their best goalie. He's got a 918 save percentage on the year. And obviously, he didn't come in playing in front of a great defense right. lockdown. That 918 right now would have him basically in the same range, top 10 in the NHL. No, I know. And but It's again, only 12 games, I know. It's a, it's a small sample size. I love Carter Hart. I don't want anybody thinking I'm being negative. He hasn't won a road game. You know, there are I plenty. Did. He won the Montreal won, game. The, the right? Montreal yeah. game. Sorry, that was the one road game. And and so that was something. And I think that was a big win, too, for another reason. In the World Juniors, I was there when he lost to the U.S. there. So I think he wanted to come out of that building with a win because yeah. that was the Troy Terry shootout, I think. Yeah, and, and you look at it, too, and Kerry Price is sitting on the other bench. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. So that was, that was a big deal. He got the towel, the hockey night in Canada yes, after the game. The towel. That's a big deal to Canadian kids. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just let him get a few more games in. Send him down for a while. He can come back up. I mean, if you know they don't pick up another goalie, and once they get rid of the other guys, fine. But what is the amount of games that you feel comfortable with him playing this year? Because I think fifty is probably too much. Yeah, I would say around forty-five. Is, yeah, is about the you know you don't because you don't want to rag him physically, right? Because when you if you do that, and he's going to play more games than he's ever played in his life, if you do that, yep. and then that's where bad habits come in. Yep. with the fatigue and those kind of things. So I, I, I I'm in that same game ranges you the thing that people are going to go bananas if they send him down because i know he's the he's the spectacle right now to watch but he's not bringing in fans he's not filling the stands i know some people thought that would happen that's going to take a little time for him to get out to the everyman i know the diehards want to see him i get yeah. it i do uh, but yeah you're, you're going okay well we need to lose for hughes but 
Uh, we can't send heart down, so it's a, right. it's a counterintuitive message because because they contradict each other. Yeah. Um, so when you look at it, I mean, his numbers—he's now twelve games, six five and one on the year. A on a regular six. team, he would be way better than six five and one. Oh yeah, that is indicative of the team. And yeah, nine eighteen save percentage, and really over the past like, yeah. five games, he's just—it's even better. It's like nine twenty six, I think, yeah. the save percentage, which is uh, gaudy as in, for a twenty year old and gaudy oh, sure. for an NHL goalie. So we'll see how that kind of plays out. Now, Cam Talbot may be an option in Edmonton with Koskinen signing the extension. Um, is Cam Talbot somebody that makes sense for the Flyers? I do. I think so. I, what I would do is, and I would overpay just slightly, I would give them like a conditional second. So, hey, next year you could have our second if we sign Cam Talbot to a deal. But I'd also give him like Mark Friedman because they're looking for defensemen. I don't think Friedman's ever going to get a great shot with the Flyers. He could skate. He can move the puck. He's got good strength for a smaller guy. Give him both those guys. I know there are people that are going to say, don't give up assets for Cam Talbot. But you know what? This would be like a tryout for Cam Talbot. And if it fits, then you definitely would want to sign him for three years because, again, we don't know what's coming down the pike. Carter Hart could have an injury where you got Cam Talbot. Maybe they start, start the year, Carter Hart down below because – he doesn't look good in camp. Then you got Cam Talbot. Like, it's just, I think the perfect scenario is, yeah, if you're going to use Hart next year, you need to have a split down the middle tandem almost. You don't want Hart. And a veteran has to be that other guy. And, you can't and, be him and Stolar. Right, right. And then this guy is a veteran. Again, I saw him play in front of an amazing defense for the Rangers. But then even when it started to wane, he played pretty well. And he he's done okay in Edmonton. There was good years. There was bad years. But their defense is really hideous. It's, it's it's worse than the Flyers, and the Flyers have issues at times. So I think he, look, he's mentally strong. He's physically strong. He is a little bit older. I mean, his age is— 31, yeah. Yeah, but he's not past it. You can sign him to a three-year deal, uh, and he doesn't have an injury history like, you know, Elliott and Neuverth and everything else. I think that's a better way to start the year, even if that's the only move you make. Okay, as far I can, as I can buy go, in the goaltending direction. Yeah, I like that that effect that it has on you going forward. But he's the guy that can they can slowly transition year by year to more games for Hart. Right. So I, I think he and fits he'd be that okay though. with that because that was his original. It's his back at a blunt position. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, joining us right now on the Stick to Hockey podcast is Alan Mitchell, the Low Tide Show on TSN, uh, and the Athletic joins us. And uh, a lot to shed light on in regards to the Edmonton Oilers. They got one of the most uh, electrifying players in the game, and it's a bit of a mess there right now. Alan, what's uh, what's the latest in Edmonton, and how's that fan base taking all of the uh, discourse that's happened over the past couple of weeks, and certainly with the culmination of Shirelli being let go? You know, it's really funny because there there was such a, 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 a you know march towards you know the fire Shirelli hashtag on Twitter and uh, the anger uh, and upset. Uh, from the fan base was so strong that when Shirelli was finally let go this week, th- the realization now that's done. There's still a lot of work to do. There's there was a sense of that was the goal, but now when you when you look at this roster and and how many players might have to be bought out or traded, uh, and how far they are away from being a contender, uh, it, it's pr- it's sinking in a little bit. I think what the, this town needs right now is a savior, and I don't know who what his name is, but there's, there's a big job once he gets here. Alan, the situation is is kind of weird, but we did face something like that here in Philly. And when Chuck Fletcher took over, he was like, "Hey, this this is a good team." And then a couple weeks later, they were in the basement. Edmonton looks a little better than that right now, but really, when you start looking at the bones, and I'm a prospect guy, and I start looking at the lack of prospects, 
when Nicholson says we're a good team, it's really not true. No, and it's the, 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 I think confusing the issue for Nicholson and a lot of people is that when McDavid's on the ice, they're a hell of a team. Right. Uh, he he floats all boats. Whoever's on the ice with him uh, looks good as well. And then when he's off the ice, it's it's a poor team. It's a it's a basically a lottery pick team. But there's two things that I think they have to improve. Number one, they have to give Connor McDavid better line mates, better passing outlets from the defensemen, uh, better goaltending, and better wingers. Uh, because I think as good as he is, if he were given more substantial uh, players to play with, the numbers would be even more incredible. And let me stop then- you there. I remember last year I was saying on the power play, Connor McDavid, on the games I would watch, once he would pass the puck, he would never get it back. It would just yeah. die. Yeah, it's true. There, there's, I think there, the, you know, because he's a special player, uh, I think there's a there's a sense of well, let's let Connor do it, and then when he passes it, they they try to come up with some kind of idea, but nobody moves their feet. They're all waiting for Connor to do it, and I I don't I'm not I'm not a coach, and I don't know how to solve that problem. It's it's a I guess it's a mental thing where you've got to you know get away from the idea that there's a special player on the ice and and pass the puck back to him. I know there's a there's a thing here where where people, you know, you you uh, have to drink whenever Andres Sekera passes the puck to McDavid and nobody ever gets a drink. Uh, that's the, that's that game. Wow. But it, it the 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 problem not only with McDavid on the ice, they should be better, but when he's away from the ice, their goal share goes way, way down. So that tells us they don't have a lot of depth. And as you say, you know, they've got some nice players developing, Tyler Benson and the Miners, Ethan Bear, Caleb Jones, Mm -hmm. who came up for a little bit. But these are pieces. These are not big pieces. These are pieces of the puzzle. Uh, Maybe they're a complimentary player, uh, in Benson's case, on a second line or a Mm -hmm. good checking forward. But he's not here yet, and he doesn't move the needle. All the teams in the NHL have a Tyler Benson or Ethan Bear. Mm-hmm. As far as difference makers are concerned, they're on the roster, and as of you know, this year they're being paid substantial money. They need, I think, they need to go out and get at least one more uh, player who can can make a difference. Uh, probably a winger, and I think that probably happens this summer. Uh, we're talking with Al. Alan, when you look at this team, and you know, they seem like they didn't fully recognize where the NHL was going. Uh, from a, a product standpoint, with speed and skill, it's not. And you have one of the fastest players in the game in Connor McDavid. And he plays fast, but they don't play fast, and that's puck movement and those things. And you can go back to the Lucic contract, and and that's obviously an albatross at this point. But you look at this team. How do they, you know, recognizing that into this season and firing Todd McClellan, bringing in Hitch, and still having these problems? How do they end up letting Chiarelli make that deal to extend Koskinen? Like, there's a lot of smart hockey guys there, and I, just, I have a hard time wrapping my head around how that happened at that time. It's it's a weird one for sure. Now Bobby Nicholson says that it was a it was a team decision. The timing is weird. I I mean I think he, Koskinen. We can say that he has a hell of an agent. We'll give them that. Oh no, the uh, agent gets agent of, the year. Yeah. agent of the yeah. year. Agent of the year. Exactly. But from from the point of view of, you know, I don't have any objection to Koskinen signing a contract, and I guess a three-year deal is the, the going rate. My concern, or I guess my objection to it was, you didn't have to do it at that time. That's a deal you can right. sign in April. Uh, he certainly wouldn't be in the top tier of free agents. You might want to hang around and see if, you know, goaltending, starting goaltenders are funny, because sometimes there's 
three jobs and four really good guys mm -hmm. uh, during a summertime, and somebody has to sign a, a low contract. That does occur. The owners have sort of opted out of that for Koskinen. So, uh, I mean, Bob Nicholson said it was a it was a team decision involving everybody. I think it's an overpay. I think the timing is weird. So, from those points of view, I agree with you. It's a very curious thing, and and now especially after firing, it looks it 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 doesn't reflect well on the organization. Horrible Staying, yeah, yeah, it is. Staying on Koskinen for a minute, though, because you are in the Miko Koskinen era. You don't realize it yet. It's kind of like the Ice Age. It's going to hit you. Uh, in, in that game, and again, that's where I thought was the start of the Koskinen era because they gave him the contract. That goalie gave up to Dylan Larkin on the lazy glove on the short side. If that's what they paid for, boy, they got robbed. Well, and it, it, the... the that was a big game. I, I know that that you know the Oilers are a mess, but they're at that going into that game. If they win it, they they go to the All Star break one point out, and in Detman's NHL, three points out is a hell of a lot more difficult than one. And it was not a. a, a terribly good goal to give up. It was in a 0-0 game, and the Oilers, I mean, they ended up scoring two. They were flat as a pancake. They did not play well. Yeah. Uh, they look exhausted to me. Their best players are exhausted. But if, if Koskinen can get them to the third period without giving up any goals, then maybe they've got a shot. And that's really the job with Edmonton. They're defensively not a strong team, so you have to be super good. And in that case, he, let in a, he made some other good stops, but that was a killer. And, and they, they really never caught up to Detroit. Alan, we know there's a lot of issues there that's well documented uh they're three points out of the final wild card position in the western conference right now is this something where they want to try and get the, get a new gm in there and get this fixed and make the playoffs this year or is this a long play situation in a city like edmonton that's uh, exhausted on patience you know, it's, it's funny because in, in listening to Bob Nicholson, you could come away with either opinion. He said they, they don't plan on playing their, uh, trading their first-round draft pick or any of their good prospects. But then he also said the expectation was that they would make the playoffs, and that implies that you would be, obviously, I think, adding at least one scoring winger. So uh, I will say my belief is they're not going to sacrifice a big piece at the deadline, i.e. a first-round pick. Uh, I, I think, yes, a Paul Yarvey might be in play, but I'll be honest, I don't know what his value might be. At the trade deadline, you're trying to acquire players who can help you win a Stanley Cup. Pugliarvi is a 20-year-old guy who's struggling and trying to, to find his way in the NHL. That doesn't sound like a piece you're going to pay a lot for at the trade deadline. So I'll be curious if they do hire a, a general manager quickly, and it sounds like the process is is underway already, and they're they're going to do their due diligence, but, but you know, it's going to be a sped-up version of, of that. Uh, I, I wonder, it just seems impossible that they'd have a new guy in place by the deadline, but I guess it could happen, and then we might you know, hear something different from that guy. Alan, I, I almost think they need that because when you look at their drafting, beyond the first round, last four, five, six years, it's been awful. You have very few players to show for it, very few players that even reached 100 games in the NHL, and, and they've reached out into the college free agent market but I've never really seen him reach out in Russia, Sweden, Finland. And look, I understand Nel Yakupov, but I think that was a function of him just getting rushed and then it didn't work out and then it sort of snowballed. But are they like not going to try and get Russian players because of that, do you think? And what about some of those other areas? Do you think they cover those well enough? It's a great question, and, and one of the things that I, I, I'm hoping they do is uh, have a long look. I think the scouts they do have have, have – uh, you know, 
done a fairly good job uh, since about 2015. They traded most of the 2014 and 15 drafts away, but but the Caleb Jones and Ethan Bear look like they're going to be players. John Marino looks like he's going to be a player. That's not bad for a draft where you traded a lot of picks. 2016 is is being held up because of Paul Yarby, but there's guys like Benson who can help. Right. I would just like to see them. You know, expand the the scouting department. Their their uh, European scout died tragically last summer, and I think that they they put fixes in to 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 get that taken care of. But it's definitely going to have to be looked at uh, even even more here uh, as the as the spring becomes summer. I think they'll be adding a lot of different scouts, uh, at least in the European side. And I think their pro scouting staff is in a little bit of trouble based on some of these trades we've seen over the last couple of years. That 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 might be an area where you're vulnerable if you're a, a pro scout for the Edmonton Oilers. Well, I think you're vulnerable when you thought Ty Ratty could play on the top line with anybody. Like, we had seen enough of Ty Ratty. Like, I saw that move at the beginning of the year, and I hate to, you know, pan a move that early on, but I was like, I don't see it. Well, and, and you know, the, the thing about Ratty is that, that Ken Hitchcock was, was – uh, he spent about one month mentioning Ratty in about every four press conferences. And at the beginning, it was like, you know, uh, he's definitely uh, uh, shown a lot since I had him in St. Louis. And, uh, you know, he's certainly got the offensive side to him. And then the next time it was, he's got the offensive side to him, but he still has a lot to work on defensively. <laughs> and then the next time it was, you know, he's not really, you know, getting to the places he needs to to get the puck up to, to Connor McDavid and make it happen. And then the next time it was, you know, he's on waivers. So, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, wow. it was actually the the process of uh, a veteran coach having a look at a guy, uh, and and I think he did evaluate him, but he made the same decision he did uh, when he was uh, with the Blues. In that, the, you know, Ratty, like as a junior player, he was brilliant. He really right. was, but his foot speed cost him a little bit. And there's a, you know, even unless you're, even if you're a great player in the NHL, you have to be able to play well without the puck. And and the Oilers have a ton of wingers where that's an issue. Pugliarvi is one, but he's 20. Ratty is well past that, and he still has that problem. Yeah, maybe when you thought, when you got Pugliarvi in that draft, when he slipped to four because Columbus took Pierre-Luc Dubois, wow, we got a gift here, but hasn't turned out that way so far. Alan, uh, who are the likely candidates to take over the, the position there? Uh, you hear the, some of the same names all the time, and you hear a guy like Tim Hunter or uh, who's who's the guys that they'll focus on, or will they go outside the box, go young, like a Kyle Dubas type situation? Which way do you see them going? I, I'm, my belief is that McCrimmon in Vegas is their is there, uh, ultimately is going to be one of the last one or two targets. If they don't go that way, my my other suspicion is that we'll end up with a veteran guy. I always say a Ken Holland type, or a, uh, they've uh, you know apparently Sutter is is of interest uh, to them. So I, I think it will be either uh, a, a somebody like McCrimmon who has an impeccable reputation based on how uh, he's been helping in Vegas with their expansion draft and all the evaluation they've done, or it'll be a name so famous with a lot of Stanley Cup rings, and and he'll probably be brought in a la uh, Lou Lamarillo uh, in Toronto. Where it's so we're getting a guy, and maybe they'll have another younger uh, general manager in waiting. Maybe it's Keith Gretzky, uh, and and there'll be a transition period. But those are my two items. I think there's a couple of guys they like a lot, and if not, they're going to get somebody very, very famous. I would hope they would like Michael Fuda. He's got rings too, and he's done a hell of a job with the Kings with drafting. I know it's gotten a little long in the tooth for the Kings now, but that's taken so long for that to happen. That's a guy that could do it for them. 
he's a guy who's been mentioned uh, by media, but but and they're an early in the process. We haven't heard uh, anything here. One name that that spent time in L.A. that we have heard is Ron Hextall, right. which, yeah. which uh, was uh, uh, an, an interesting name. I, I'd also heard that Fletcher was, if this had happened two months ago, uh, Fletcher or, or uh, previous to his taking the job out east, that, that Fletcher would have been a, a, a target as well. Well, very interesting, and uh, we'll we'll see how it kind of plays out there. But uh, obviously, you have a big piece with Connor McDavid and uh, dry subtle, and you got the you clock's got, ticking on yeah. that contract, though. It yeah. is, and, and it's true. It's crazy. I I, I really think that's why. Uh, my belief is that the Oilers won't make a move at the deadline with the pick, but I would not be surprised, depending upon where it lands after the lottery. If they're in the lottery, uh, it looks like they will be. If they they trade that pick for something more established, I think they will go to uh, next fall with a, a major acquisition, I'll say a scoring forward and probably a winger. Well, what's the price for Cam Talbot, by the way? Boy, that's interesting. Uh, in terms of deadline trade, I don't think it would be a high pick. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, the funny thing about Talbot is that that you know they had to make a decision between the two goalies, and, and Talbot is, is he has struggled, but but playing in front of this defense is is very very yeah. difficult. I I don't think his career is over at all. I think if he gets to a team that can play defense and structured defense, a lot of these goaltenders are they're they're ready for shots they assume are going to come. The orders leak yeah. and, and defensively. So you get a lot of, you know, you, he makes a save and the rebound should be cleared and is isn't it? It just lays there in the slot. Well, uh, for a, for a, a better defensive team, that second shot wouldn't occur. I, I think But Talbot don't you think a, by signing Koskinen and and Hitch leaning towards Koskinen, they've devalued Talbot a little bit? Well, that's what the orders do at the deadline. They <laughs> yeah. always devalue players. But I'll, I'll say this, that I, you know, if you're asking me about Talbot's, you know, he had that one really good year, and he was slow in his first year, and then really caught fire, and in his second year, he was brilliant. He was probably one of the two MVPs along with McDavid that year, uh, and he has struggled, but but I, I think there's a goalie there. I think the team that trades for him is going to be surprised at, at how, how well he can play, especially if they have a structured defense. Now, my last question, Alan, uh, pending who the GM is, obviously a new GM likes uh, a coach that they uh, have chosen. And Ken Hitchcock's there. What's the future of Ken Hitchcock as the bench boss uh, pending the, the new GM? Well, they, he's got a contract till the end of this season and no longer. I will tell you that, that Hitchcock, the fan base is in love with him. It's a, it's a ridiculous love affair. He's from here. He has the gift of gab. He loves hockey as much as the market, which is a hell of a match. <laughs> so I, I, you never know. But I, again, I, I think if you look through Bob Nicholson's history with, with Hockey Canada, uh, certainly uh, Hitchcock was a part of that. I think the general manager might come from there and might also have a, a familiarity with Hitchcock. So uh, I'm guessing it's less than 50 50, but I would not be at all surprised if Hitchcock signs for uh, you know a two-year contract, say, uh, sometime this spring or summer, even with the new general manager. Mm, he's a guy that will never retire. He just has to admit he's a hockey lifer. Yeah, right? he's <laughs> staying. I'm pretty Stop. sure he's staying, too. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Hey, Alan, we appreciate it. Alan uh, Mitchell, the Low Tide, uh, TSN, and The Athletic. We appreciate you taking the time, shedding some light on what has been uh, a very interesting, uh, well, really all season out there at Edmonton. Thanks for doing this. Hey, I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. All right, there's uh, Low Tide. Alan Mitchell from TSN and the Athletic Great covers spot. the Oilers. Yeah, and uh, boy, he's got an interesting beat. He does. He really <laughs> With does. With that team, is, it's like the days of our, like sands through the hourglass. Those fans are so rabid, and oh. I feel so bad for them. I do. 
Yeah, and you see that, you know, Taylor Hall picks up the heart last year. Yeah. And going, what? Like, if there was a plaque in the middle of downtown Edmonton for City of Champions, that thing has, like, three missing screws, and it's hanging, and it's just, you know, <laughs> yes, it is. it's almost come down at this well, point. We have one in Philly like that. So. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, uh, we appreciate him joining us here on the Stick Talkie Pod. One guy I wanted to ask you about, too, I forgot to ask when we were talking about goalies, is uh, Sergey Bobrovsky. Yeah. What happens with Bob? He's, he's not going to remain in Columbus beyond the deadline. No, he, he'll get dealt, but again, like a team like the Flyers don't want to give up assets for him because they're not making the playoffs. So I wouldn't... And his con- con- expiring contract. And Well, that, that's what I mean, yeah. yeah, with the expiring contract too. So you don't want to do that. Now, I know there's going to be discussions in the Flyers front office about bringing Bob in Oof. or at least bring, giving him an offer. I would be shocked if there aren't because... As much of a lock as everybody feels Carter Hart is, he is still 20. Bob is going to want a five-year deal, but if you do the math, hey, if he only goes four and goes to Russia at the end of that four, Hart maybe sits as a backup for two years, maybe that that third year. Mm -hmm. He's already starting to steal the job away. You could operate that way if you really feel like you're going to make the playoffs next year. The one thing we can't figure out is what the balance sheet is financially, for Comcast, because it's very hard when you say, hey, a team should rebuild or lose for Hughes or whatever, but when they're losing attendance and, and hemorrhaging some money, these kinds of decisions are important. They, if they drive decision-making. It does drive decision-making. Yeah. I've seen it happen in New York with MSG, as an example, because as bad as the Knicks always have been, the Rangers were always in the playoffs and bringing in that money, and they would get a million dollars a game, essentially. So, you know... I'm sure it's pretty close to that in Philly, and that's the thing. They have to figure out if Bob is the guy, and with the other moves we have planned, which, again, we're not privy to, is that going to drive us closer than if we had Carter Hart, or maybe we should go a little slower with Carter Hart? Because obviously he's their guy, but he doesn't have to be their guy next year. Yeah. You know, you look at Hellebuck. Again, he he came up same right around the same age, maybe a year older than Hart, and he went back. Yeah, and Michael Hutchison was there. And yeah. They had, uh, who was the other guy they had there? Uh, oh, I can't think of his name. Pavlik? Yeah, yeah, Andre Pavlik. Andre Pavlik, yeah. So, who, you, by the way, as a Ranger backup, may have been the worst backup I had ever seen in the history of the Rangers. But we, we oh, move on. wow. Yeah, he was That's pretty bad. That's quite the statement. He was pretty bad. Uh, yeah, so Bob's going to get dealt. Panarin not dealt? No, no, Panarin. Uh, you think he stays? He could they get ride dealt. They him? Not... No, he could get dealt. I think this is a situation where even though I'm sure they're going to deal Bob because they have Corpusalo, it's going to be like the last-minute decision. Like, if they look like they're a lock for the playoffs, then you'd have to bowl them over to get Panarin. But there's a, there's probably a deal or two out there where they could trade Panarin and really not miss a beat in the playoffs because what if they play Pittsburgh in the first round again? Ugh. No, I'm just saying, what if they do? Yeah, it's almost a foregone conclusion right now. So if you walk out of that and you only have assets for Bob and you don't get any assets for Panarin and you still lose in the first round, yeah. how bad does that look? So yeah. if if you look at it, and I'm not saying they should give up or, or raise the white flag, but if you could get two players for Panarin that you could plug right into your lineup and you know you're losing them anyhow, well, you know what? Then you maybe you take your chances, and if you lose, you say, "All right, but we're better next year already." Yeah, and that like, team—that's the tough decision here. Yeah, and the team that trades for Panarin is going to be one that's in hopes of sign- obviously signing him long term mm-hmm. and trying getting a jump on that signing. Yeah, it's, it's really intriguing to see how it kind of plays out. Um, is it is it possible for the Flyers to restock this lineup for next season? 
anything is possible. It's I know people will probably think it's unlikely, but it's it's not impossible. They definitely need a veteran defenseman to play with Ivan Provorov. Like there's yeah, nobody else on the prison, roster. Yeah. There's nobody else on the roster that really clicks with them. Get somebody that will click with them. Now I'm not saying Slava enough because I'm sure someone out there is going to text no. and say, but it. But again, hold on. Can we say definitively if he's healthy next year and he's going to be back in there and he's a free agent that they won't go after him? Can we say that for sure? No. No. You can't say that right now. No. You can't. So get a veteran defenseman. You need that. Get the other goalie that we're talking about. You need that. They definitely still need – they're going to trade Simmons. So depending on what they get in Simmons, that may be a wash for what you're looking at for next year. Mm-hmm. So – they probably still need a top nine performer. Yeah, and a center. Yeah. And they definitely, whether that's a 2C or a 3C. It could be a 3C. It's fine. On, uh, what Nolan Patrick is in the second half. And well, like you're still going to put him out. at 2C. I yeah. think you just leave him there. You mm-hmm. don't worry about it. But I think a 3C is, is what you're looking at. And so if they could do those things, I can't say they wouldn't be in it. Yeah. Because the, the Metro and get is. The goal, and get some goaltending. Right. Because the Metro is weak. Yeah. Um, Chris uh, tweets in uh, to this TikTok pod and says, last summer, Bill Meltzer uh, suggested the Flyers trade Simmons to Tampa Bay for Callahan and prospect Taylor Radish. Is this still a re- realistic possibility? Tampa Bay needs cap space for point and also uh, is a package including Simmons to Toronto for Kapitan realistic for Casperi Kapitan? Uh, Toronto's not trading Kapitan. No, so I don't think so either. I think, you know what, though? If you can get Jeremy Bracco for Wayne Simmons and, and a pick... You get Brocco in a pick rather for Simmons. I do that. I, Could you see Simmons going to Tampa Bay? It's possible, but the idea it, it can't be for Callahan. I don't forget any about the cap savings. Callahan's got a year or two left. That's it. You know, you bring him in. It's kind of like when Mike Mike Rathje came in, and then all of a sudden he got hurt, and you never saw Mike Rathje yeah. again. It just doesn't make sense. But Taylor Radish is a heck of a player, and he's a big guy who's got speed and a goal scoring touch. If you could get Radish. Like, I would try and make a bigger trade with them. I would try and give them Simmons, and I would try and get Radish and Cal Foote. So now what do I have to do on my end to sweeten the deal? Because Cal Foote's Adam Foote's son, and he's yeah. a pretty good developing defense, but he's in the AHL already. That's what I'm looking for. Maybe I could do that. Um, Eric tweets, and Eric Bowman says, Will Simmons be, Wayne Simmons be the only big move the Flyers make before the deadline expires? Will the wins keep coming, or was it just a phase? They've won, what, four of their last five, or five of their last six, I think. Something like that. And I think four straight. So, will the first of all, will the wins keep coming? Not, to that le- not yeah. with that regularity, no. Yeah, Winnipeg uh, resumes the schedule on Monday. Yeah. But will Simmons be the only big move, or will we see a player like, uh, was Rakogudis a big move? I think he'll be moved. I don't know right if he's going to. See, here's the funny thing. He is a right shot D, and I think now that they've gone the course that they're looking to be tougher— I don't know if he moves now. Yeah, because he gives you that. Right. Now, originally, I thought Gosta Spear would be moved. But when they started practicing more and Gordon was in place, now they seem to be start trying to rehabilitate Gosta Spear. And if you think about it, based on his cap hit, which isn't much, was it like 4.2? It's yeah, not very much. team-friendly deal. They probably aren't going to trade him. So I think it does come down to someone like Gudis, Hag, or Sanheim as far as what defensemen are they willing to give up? Moran, they'll probably give one more, you know, one more, training, one more training camp shot at yeah. it. 
and, and whatever he could do this year. Yeah, and we'll get a look at him shortly. I know he's chomping at the bit. He is. Will Simmons be the only roster player that's of substance moved off by the deadline? Yes. Coming up in a month? Yeah, I believe, I believe you're right about that. I think most of the action. I think, look, they'll talk for a check, they'll, but they won't be able to do it. Yeah, and Sanheim will be a name that a lot of people inquire about, too. Yes. And I, I really would be very hesitant in that regard. Um, when you look at uh, the Matthew situation, apparently he's trying. They're trying to get a deal done in Toronto with uh, Austin Matthews' agent Kyle Dubas. Is uh, they're having dialogue. First of all, what is the number? Is it eleven? North ten, ten and a half. Okay, but it's only going to be for like five years because he wants another kick at the can. Yep, he's not going to go eight while years. in his prime. So if he Correct. goes five, six years, he's twenty six when he comes out of this deal. Yeah, Jeez. <laughs> I know. It's I wish. Uh, I wish. So, so if, if he's going to get, say, close to $11 million, where does that leave Mitch Marner? Uh, well, they're going to – okay. So here's how it lays out. Mitch Marner, who did say they would talk over the summer, has to wait and see what they do with Jake Gardner and with William Nylander. If they trade Nylander, there's a big signing bonus that they pay Nylander in July. After that, he's a very cost-free player. He's very – not cost-free, but cost-effective – the salary is low. If you look at it, it's, yeah, it's, it's all front loaded. It's all front loaded. So then he's worth a lot more, even off this bad season that he's having. So if that happens, then they have to decide before Marner, are we keeping Jack Gardner? Are we going to make him an offer? Are we letting him walk? So that's the, that's the hard part. I think in the end, they'll probably let Gardner walk, and that's probably the money they'll have. And whether they move Nylander or not, who knows? Because also, Hainsey's a UFA, so they do have Timothy, Timothy Liljegren. He'll come up. I don't know if he'll play top four pairing right away. He'll probably play, you know, in the bottom. And then after that, it's, I don't know, they have a guy named Callie Rosen who's got a big shot. Will he get a chance? Maybe. Will Sandine jet up the charts? Maybe. But... They still are looking for this top four defenseman that they've been looking for since Lou was there. Yeah. And they haven't been able to find it. So Nylander may be the key to that. Yeah, and he could be the, the piece you trade to help that. Right. To, 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 to figure out what so you're going to do. So that if they do that and they get a guy that's fairly low cost, like let's say they look in Carolina's way and they get Falk because they think they could sign him, his contract's not that big a deal, or somebody from there, nobody there is getting paid too much money. And then all of a sudden you could fit all these guys in. But then guess what? Then the Toronto's like every other team in the league. They're getting to the point where the cap is an issue and they better win. Yeah, exactly. And that's where or you Babcock have... could could get fired at some point. Whoa, he's got so many years left on that deal, though. Wow, well, that, that kind of money. Years and money don't matter with in MLSE. <laughs> they have plenty of money. They print money. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I don't know how much longer Mike Babcock can go if he doesn't get out of the first round. Yeah, well, and they and they they could be matched right up against the Bruins again. And boom, you never know. Right. You're right. That's the problem with this playoff format, too, by the way. No, no. It is the scourge of this playoff format. Yeah. It needs to go away. Yeah, You need markets like Toronto to go multiple rounds. And look, I first year, right, when they did these play, I think it was the first year. Don't, don't kill me if it's not. When they went Rangers-Flyers, I was like, wow, this is great. I went back to my childhood. I'm like, I haven't seen this matchup in so many years. A seven-game series. And I was at the Garden, and I was here, and games were great, and it was fun. But then as time has gone on, we realized... Yeah, you can't have it that front-loaded because then on the back end, it's really unfair. Some of the teams that you thought were the better teams, they're out. Yeah, look at Winnipeg and Nashville. You know, <laughs> yeah. those teams got to battle it out early. And yeah. all of a sudden, boom, they're gone. One of the best teams in the league all year, and it's a shame. 
But they tried this for I don't like the format at all either. But they got to go back to the one through eight. I think so. Uh, for, who cares about the divisional brackets and all that? Um, it's lame. It is kind of lame. Um, okay, last thing uh, to get into uh, when, when you look at uh, teams like. Did you answer enough? Stuff from the internet? Yeah, yeah, we're good. From Twitter? Um, I don't think you... I th- you answered one question, or maybe two. Yeah, well, there weren't very many good ones. All right. <laughs> I only asked right. the good ones. He said it. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> well, people got to get better questions in. Uh, buyers and sellers at the deadline. Uh, Buffalo. So Buffalo will be a buyer. They, uh, I think they're going to look for defense. I think they need a veteran defenseman. Zach Bogosian always gets hurt. They do need to make a push to solidify their playoff run. Skinner is just having oh an all-world year, and they are, and they, but they're negotiating with him. I think they are going to pay him, and I think he's happy there. So he likes playing with Eichel. Don't blame him one bit. No, it's worked out great. So I think they'll get a veteran defenseman. I do, and I don't think they'll do any selling like they've done before. Uh, I, I made a joke the other day. Hey, they could bring up that kid Matt Molson playing in the minors. Well, yeah, there you go. No, but they won't. They, they won't, won't do that. Um, real quick, too, I got to ask you about this. Uh, any more coaches get let go this year? Well, There's funny, been some decent amount of attrition. Okay, a couple so, general managers. So funny, you should say that. I was on a on a show with Kevin Allen earlier, and I just asked him the question: Is Jeff Blashill there next year? Because Kevin's out of Detroit, yeah. USA Today. We all know him, legendary guy. He said they like the job he's doing, but he sort of left room there, like uh. not a hundred percent. Which means, like, hey, if they could get Joel Quenville, maybe Jeff Blashill is out, right? Yeah. So I don't think he's on firm, firm footing. I think he's on okay footing. Mm-hmm. But maybe if something's better, you know, kind of like when you were in high school, Jason, you had all these girls lined up and you were going out with this one girl, but you had your eye on the other girl. And if that girl became single, you would just dump that other one in a minute. You you had that problem, It's sure. like recruiting over. Yeah. You know, it's like college sports where you go, uh, I got this quarterback. All of a sudden, this guy's available to right. be recruited. So I'm going to recruit over top of him. Yeah. And it didn't really work out Notice he avoided that high school question, yeah. people. Well, Notice. I know what I'm doing. It couldn't have been good. Um, who in, <laughs> Who's going to be the candidates to coach the Flyers? <sighs> you you got to go. see who gets fired in the offseason, too. We do have to see who gets fired. Uh, I th- they'll, they'll contact Quenville, obviously. Mm. They already have. <laughs> There's no question. You about said that. it. I didn't. I'm, hopefully, you're sitting next to Chuck and not me. But yes, yeah, so Quenville's been contacted some way, shape, or form, Twitter, whatever. But he's one of them. Mike Yo. I think they'll bring in Mike Yo based on the personnel they have. Mm-hmm. I think they sort of, you know, they're going to do that. But I know Flyers fans are dead set against that, and and I don't really blame them. I again, I would look to see. Who does shake loose? Because, you know, Blashill definitely could get shook loose. Boudreau can get shook loose. Uh, Carlisle can, could shake loose. Yeah, I'm not interested in Carlisle. I know. I'm just saying. But yeah. these are names you're asking me, you know, who could. Yeah. You know, who could. Boudreau interested me. I mean, he knows how to win games. He does. He, boy, he wins at a nasty clip in the NFL. Chuck knows him. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Could be an interesting one. All right, that is uh, episode Slapshot Legend. F- yeah, episode forty of the uh, Stick to Hockey podcast. Enjoy the All Star Game, everybody. Have a great time. And uh, again, February second is the big round table, uh, Philadelphia Hockey the Round Big table. Live event. Yeah, by Bullies at uh, Xfinity Show Live. Up. Yeah, come out, have a good time, have some cocktails. Whether you're going to the game or not, go there, watch the game, then hang out for the uh, the program after. We're gonna have a great panel. It's gonna be a lot of fun, and uh, we'll be breaking it all down there on that day. And uh, we'll bring you some more Stick to Hockey podcast leading into it coming up next week. So enjoy your hockey, everybody. Thanks for listening.